I love what the Lord is doing right now, November. And it's not over yet. Hallelujah. Uh, November is thank you month. And uh, let's read our scripture together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. How many have read different translations? Have you read different translations of the Bible? Literally, a translation of give thanks to the Lord could be translated. Thank Yah. Shout it. Thank Yah. Thank Yah. Yah. Yahweh. The ever existent one. Come on. He says, I am the all existent one. I am. I was. And I will always be. Thank Yah. Shout it. Thank Yah. I, I don't know. I don't know where, you know, I, I miss Sister Welfa. I really do. She knew how to say thank you. Am I right? She knew how. So I'd like to see just a little friendly competition if we could have it right now. You ready? Just a little friendly competition. Let's start over here. Let's hear thank you over here. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you. I want to I help you a little bit, all right? Because I think sometimes when you say thank you, you got to reach down. It's got to be thank you. More like that, all right? So. I'm going to give you another shot. One, two, three. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. That's good. I don't know. You think you can out thank you them over here? I'll give you one, two, three. Go. Thank you. You're going to have to put a little bit more in. Okay, take a deep breath this time, right? Ready? Ready? Take a deep breath. One, two, three. Thank you. Okay, that's good. And you have people joining you. These sections over here, are you ready? One, two, three. We're getting there. <laughs> Heaven must sound wonderful with wealth of there. Anybody agree? I'm telling you. Just thank you. Let me preach today. Yahweh. Shout it. Yahweh. Yahweh. This is uh, the breath of life. One of the things that we understand about Yahweh is the pronunciation. It's literally that he is the breath inside of me and he's the next breath that I take. He's not struggling. He's not struggling with his existence. Now that is unique because for us, we struggle somewhat with our existence. Has anybody had a birthday recently? Anybody had a birthday? We're, yeah, somebody, you had a birthday? What? You're pointing, you're raising, oh, you had a birthday, what? Go ahead, bro, how old are you now? 35. Shoot, I remember when I was 35. Anybody, anybody back here had a birthday? Go ahead and point her out. What's going on? And you don't have to tell us, you know, but you're 35, right? Congratulations, right? What? Victoria had a birthday? What? Thank you. Anybody had a birthday shout thank you right now? We all had a birthday. We had a birthday. Everybody hit shout thank you. I got one coming up. Got one coming up, Brother Hicks? What? Really? She told on you right there. She did. Father, Father Hicks over here. That's what we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Bella is tomorrow 14. Bella is 14 tomorrow. Now, here's, here's what nobody tells you about. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you this. All right? Aging is weird. Okay, it's weird. All right? I heard somebody turn 40 this weekend, and I thought, 40? I remember 40. <laughs> Anybody like that? Anybody there? Come on, we're old people in the house. All right, like 40. I told my son-in-law last time I saw him, I said, you know, you're going to turn 40 this coming year. My son-in-law is going to turn 40. 
I, I was 40 when I gave my daughter to him in marriage. That made him feel old when I told him that, and I enjoyed it so much. But as, as you age, you think a little bit differently. Like, uh, be careful, you'll start counting. You'll start saying, well, how much more do I have? And you've got to be careful about that. You know why? Because the enemy will use that conversation to make you fearful. He will play with you. And that's one of the things that the Lord does because he is the ever existent one. I was afraid of the end until I met the I am that I am. Am I right? Anybody understand that? Uh, wow. Let the devil know not today. Somebody say that. I love that song too. Uh he is saying in, in, this scripture, in, in this understanding of who he is, give thanks to the Lord. What we're hearing is, is that God is not a new God. God is not trying to figure things out. God is not working to have power over other or powers and principalities. He is the ever existent one. And so we need to remember who he is. Sometimes we use the term because of the way it's translated. We use the term God, our God, the Lord. And that's fine as long as you know what you're saying. You're saying that from a Hebrew context that you would not speak the name of God because his name is too holy to be spoken. And so out of that, you would not write his name and include the vowels. You would just write the YWVH. You wouldn't write Yahweh. You wouldn't write that out or even say it. I've been made holy through the blood of Jesus. Anybody else? Amen. So we're, we're able. He, he, has, uh, he has revealed himself to us. Somebody shout, thank you. Thank you. I want us to uh, continue in our study of giving him thanks and an understanding of who he is. Today, And I want us to look at a story that you may be familiar with on different from different gospels in different settings in Luke 736. Let's read the scripture. You can look at it. I put it included it all in your notes. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in that in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat on the table, sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet before him weeping. Now watch this. She began to wash his feet with her tears. And in your notes, you might want to circle the word weeping. She washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he, was a, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, you notice his words. When he says those particular words, it reveals something about what... His expectations are and what his purposes are for having Jesus there. If he were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him. He wouldn't let her touch him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you, isn't that weird when you just hope somebody didn't hear what you said? 
and they heard what you said. You know, somebody, you know, read something you wrote. You, that wasn't for you. But Jesus hears, and Jesus answered and said to him, this is his name, Simon, I have something to say to you. Oh, man. And Jesus, and, and, and he said, teacher, say it. I know I'm in trouble. Verse 41, and he just tells this quick parable. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. How many know there's a difference between 50 and 500? And when, they had, uh, and when they had nothing with which to repay, the debtors had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Repeat that with me. Would you say that? Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, Simon, the same loves little. How much do you love? Do you love him a little? Or do you love him a lot? Anybody love him a lot today? Anybody love him a lot? Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Notice the difference in the response of Simon and the woman to the words, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this, this who even forgives sins? So Jesus took it a step further. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So he went from your sins have been forgiven to well, let me just add this. You're saved. In fact, your faith has saved you. Go in the shalom of Yahweh. Somebody shout, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So today I want to talk to you about real worship. I might have even called it a real thank you. Real worship. And looking at these passages where Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Come on, one more time. Welcome, Holy Spirit, right where you are. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, there's so much that needs to be done in this time that we have, but nothing more important than everyone in this house leaving with their sins forgiven leaving as true worshipers. Lord Jesus, deal with our hearts. Change us. Change our perspective. Dear Lord, help the Pharisees in this house today. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help those who have deep sin and are aware of it in this house. Change us. Transform us by your grace in Jesus' name. I love being a part of the church of the Lord Jesus. Anybody else? I'll, I'll even take it further than that. I love the culture. 
I even love the tradition. You understand there's a culture in this room. And some people say, well, you know, I don't, why do you mean there's a culture? How, does anybody come into this house and feel like you have family members around you? Does anybody do that? And that's a culture. It's, it's, you can't advertise that. You can't just force that to happen. It's a culture. It just kind of happens. And I, I even love my traditions. I, I, I love... Uh, traditions. Anybody love some traditions? Anybody enjoy some traditions? I don't traditions. Okay, then. Okay, just skip Christmas this year. All right, just skip it altogether. I I enjoy it. I enjoy Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to it. But sometimes, as a pastor, as a leader, I need to come to Jesus moment in it all. I mean, I'm I'm glad we all say welcome home and that sort of thing. But I don't want to just. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to just kind of show up and just kind of do the Jesus thing and sing my songs. I, I probably have on my emails right now at least 20 emails every day from church consultant groups. Uh, and I'm not against them. I, I listen, I read, I connect. I love going and learning more. I also have another 20 or so of individuals sending me emails wanting to teach me how to preach better. And uh, sometimes I read their stuff and sometimes I, I, I think, okay, you know, if I could just, and you, you kind of get this. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to let you inside. Here I am. All right. I, I look in the mirror and realize I can do better. Anybody else do that besides me? Anybody ever just look at yourself and say, I would like to do better in it. And then I have individuals or people in the world today. And you may not know what I'm saying. You know, I. I would do better if I have Steve Furtick biceps. <laughs> if I had Joseph Prince hair. Or Creflo dollar money. <laughs> maybe if I just had a better title. Maybe that would fix me. If, if I could get you to call me the bishop or, or the doctor or the apostle. I'm not, I'm not busting on I'm just saying. Or maybe if I could preach more like TD. You know. I can preach like TD. If I could just, if I could just get into that, come on. Anyway, I can. I, just... I love what the Lord is doing, but at the same time, I wonder if sometimes we just need to back down. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, I know, Pastor, come on. Keep it going here. I, I wonder if sometimes we need to back down and, and, and be certain that we haven't traded our righteousness for relevance. Because I, I believe it's impossible to be relevant and righteous at the same time. But if I'm relevant and I'm not righteous, it doesn't matter how relevant I am. You know, just come on, preach that way, pastor. So I, I don't ever want to be so focused on the dinner party with Jesus that I overlook the hurting and the broken Come on, you understand what I'm saying? I, I don't want to just, well, as long as the turkey tastes good, it don't matter if somebody is just lost. And, and, and I, I don't, also in all of our business, is it a possibility that we even overlook ourselves? We look past our own needs because we're so busy looking at other people that we believe are needier than we are. Well, you know, I may not be do you hear where I am? I may not be the best, but I'm, at least I'm not a sinner like that individual that just walked in the room. Do we think that? 
as long as the dinner party is rocking, as, as long as, you know, everything's rolling, then maybe everyone will feel better, even if they ain't better, as long as it seems like everything's better, as long as we look right, dress right, talk right, give hugs right. That's sort of the setting of this story that we just read. It's that setting. And, and look at this in, 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 Matthew, or in Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. What? You're not supposed to do that. Not at a Pharisee's dinner party. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, wipe them with the hair of her head, Kissing his feet. Hey, none of that was on the service agenda. The, the Pharisee who had invited him said, saw this and spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. He would be outraged if he was a prophet, that she is a sinner. So what we have here is a Pharisee. His name is Simon. There are two similar stories in the scripture that have a guy named Simon. It is my belief that they are two separate stories entirely. Uh, I don't know how many times you've read stories like this. Uh, they, they are, uh, it's a similar story, but the other guy is Simon the leper. Can I tell you this? If you're a leper, you're not going to be able to be a Pharisee. Even if you used to be a leper, you're out. Simon was a common name and a leper would not be permitted in this, to, be a, to, to be a Pharisee, so they're two different people. But he, he is a Pharisee. Everybody say Pharisee. Say it. Pharisee. So you understand, he is a religious man. He is a pious man. But things have happened, and since everyone seems to be after Jesus, he decides to throw a dinner party for Jesus. Well, really, it's not for Jesus. It's for himself. Because he wants to have a dinner party that Jesus happens to be at. You know, how many like to throw a name around? You know, sometimes people ask me, do you know such and such? And there's a part of my flesh that wants to look at them and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that particular. I know that person. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they passed away, where, where, where? And they, oh, yeah, yeah, down there. I, I don't know who in the world he's talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> But somehow I could validate myself if I know the individual that you know because I have met that particular individual. I mean, I, I have met some folks, some really, really amazing people who are just awesome worshipers and awesome leaders. I, I met some really good people. And, 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 but, but this is what's going on with Simon. He wants that after the dinner is over thing. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. He was over my house for dinner. You know, I, I've been there with him. I talked to him. I agree with some of his stuff, not all of his stuff. Just Jesus to him is another teacher. Amen. So the dinner was open to other dignitaries. And so, so after, so, so, so they also were connected. And so they reclined at a table. It is not a dinner table like your dinner table. This dinner table is low to the ground. There are pillows around that people will, might sit on, but their feet are behind them. They're not underneath the table. They kind of lean back on the table so they can recline and they can eat. Everything is finger food. You know, no matter what it is, we're going to grab this food. We're going to eat. We're going to lay here and we're going to talk and feel good about themselves. But while Simon has invited Jesus to dinner, Simon 
is not really that into Jesus. Anybody remember that day in your life when you had heard about Jesus but weren't into Jesus? And so he wants to be careful that Jesus doesn't get the idea that he believes that there's anything special about him. He wants to have Jesus over, but he doesn't want to align himself with Jesus, you know, surrender himself and call himself his subordinate. So he does something that is peculiar for such a dignified gathering. He sends the hugs team home. He removes the oil and water from the front door. In other words, there's no soap in the bathroom. He doesn't put toilet paper on the roll. There are no paper towels. I mean, we're going to have a gathering and we want Jesus to come, but we're not going to like honor him or welcome him into the house. No soap and water in the sink. So as the guests arrive in their sandals, remember, they have walked in the dirty streets. So as the guests arrive, their, their, their feet are nasty, but nobody's there, and there's no basin of water for them to wash with. And this was the protocol to provide water uh, as people come in so that their feet can be washed, and actually to provide someone to provide like a little bit of Anointing oil. Because after people have been walking in the hot sun, sometimes they need a little fragrance, if you know what I mean. Don't look at the person next to you right now. We don't want Jesus to think that he's anything special, and we certainly don't want the other guests to believe he is anything more than just another traveling evangelist. It's just a dinner party, and Jesus is there. No acknowledgement of him as king, no celebration of his authority and power. Now, if you go back and read the last two or three chapters of Luke, you, you know some other things. Yes, on his travels, everyone knows that he has just had a few days before, he found a certain centurion who came to him and said, my servant is about to die. Would you come to my house? And, and uh, no, he didn't say, would you come to my house? Jesus starts to go and he says, no, you don't even have to come. I'm a man of authority and I understand authority. If you just speak the word, it will be done. And Jesus said, I've never seen such great faith. So be it, be it that way. It is done. And he goes home and finds his servant completely well. And, and there are other stories such as that that happen in those few days. Another one of those stories is a story about a funeral. Jesus, after the situation with the centurion, he's walking by and there's a funeral procession. They're carrying a young man uh, in a casket uh, to be buried. And there is a weeping widow who is the mother. And Jesus stops the funeral procession just out of compassion. Nobody said, hey, would you go rise, raise this boy from the dead? No, Jesus stops it, walks over out of compassion and touches the casket and says, let the boy live. And the boy takes a deep breath and says, thank you. That's what I believe, all right? And, and Jesus takes the boy over to his mom. How many know that changed the atmosphere? Anybody know that? So that had happened. But also remember that even more than that, just a few days before, he had walked through a crowd of people 
who had all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. He came down and he was standing in this particular area. And literally the scripture says in Luke 16, 17, 19, which is right there. Luke 16, 17, that Jesus stood in a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast. And the Bible says they'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. So now we have a crowd of people who had come for two reasons, to be healed and to be set free. There were people who were possessed with devils, who were set free. There were individuals that had all kinds of sickness and they were completely set free. Jesus taught them. He taught the crowds, not just the rich. He taught the poor. He taught the hurting. He taught the religious. He taught the indifferent and the powerful and the weak. He spoke to these people who were now very aware of his power because the power that came out of him was not just the power to heal sickness and disease, but now there was power coming out of them that was giving hope and healing to their hearts. Luke 6 and 20, the next verse, he says this, Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And he said, you shall, uh, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Just so you see the transition, he heals all these people. But just that you can stand up now is not everything that you need. You see what I'm saying? Just that you feel better. Just that you had church and everybody was dancing and good enough. Jesus spoke to them and he said, I want to give the poor people hope. I want to give the broken people hope. I want to let you know that whatever mess that you are in, I have come by to deal with your brokenness. Everybody see what's happening here? The word is all over the country. Jesus is drawing multitudes because of his compassionate power. And it's not just about those who are healed in their body. Jesus offers more. There's an understanding that the power he has to heal is only a taste of his great power. He has power to heal hearts and set people free from unseen bondage. So Simon throws him a dinner party. <laughs> I'm going to have a party and Jesus, I want you to come by. And to a point, he invites him to be there, but just as another guest. We don't want to get crazy here. We just want a little dinner party with Jesus. Hello, Sunday morning. Wait, wait come on, let's not get crazy. Come on, you know, you know we got things to do today. We don't want to get crazy here. Welcome to the dinner party, church. Welcome to church. We don't want to get crazy here. Please, Pastor, just another 30-minute sermon and a few little prayers for heaven's sakes. Let's all be pretty. Whoa. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we just get real here? 
on occasion we need a reality check. I need to look at myself in the mirror and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with me. I need a gathering that is more than a flowery speech and two or three songs. I need to see people come to Jesus. I need to see people know Jesus. I need to see Jesus celebrated. And I need to be a part of that. I need to stop saying, well, you know, I'm just not a celebrator. I'm just not really into Jesus. Okay, be Simon. Amen. You know what Simon says. Everybody lift your hand. Everybody put it down. <laughs> Simon says, clap your hands. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, hug each other. Simon says, give in the offering. Come on. Do we want to do what Simon says? Or do we want to be a part of what Jesus is doing? Preach, Pastor Rick. Come on. I want my life, my worship, I want my thank yous to be real. We're not here to have a thank you competition, church. It doesn't matter whether you say it louder than this particular side. I, it's not about who can be the most pious or who can be the loudest. I just want us to get real, somebody. And can I tell you, when you invite Jesus to the table, you can hold your tongue and sit quietly and pretend he's just another religious figure. But the truth is, you're either going to have to acknowledge him or dismiss him. His love, his compassion, his power will mess up your religious dinner party. There's a transition that's taking place here. A woman who is sinful shows up and begins to give Jesus the worship he deserves. Which brings us to one of our two truths I want to mention. One, real worship comes from real sinners. Oh, come on. I got any real sinners in the house today? Come on, anybody? Come on. Come on, because I have a book up here that has all of your stories in it. And I thought I would just start telling everybody. Come on, any real sinners in the house? Anybody that, come on. Anybody, if it was not for the grace of Jesus, you know. So this woman comes and she comes to the dining room and drastically changed the atmosphere. You know this woman, don't you? Everybody knows this woman because Thanksgiving is coming up and she's that one person you do not want showing up at your table. Probably, you know, a relative, a co-worker, a neighbor that would really change the atmosphere. You don't know what she's going to do because you know what she's done in her past. She is actually called a sinful woman. Oh, what, who's she? Oh, she's a sinful woman. Hey, I know her. Oh, you mean the sinful woman? Everyone knows about her. We don't know her name. Careful study of this scripture leaves an unknown. Okay, I do not believe she is Mary Magdalene. I do not believe she is Mary of Bethany. I believe she is a sinful woman. That's the way it was written. Luke was great. If you read the Gospel of Luke, he was great at his details. So he just leaves it at that. She is a sinful woman. So if you use your imagination, imagine a woman who lives in the Middle East, small town, very religious, highly conservative area. That's the cultural context. Imagine that she is notoriously known as that sinner woman. Maybe she's sleeping with a boyfriend, living with her boyfriend. She's the gal who's passed around to class at school, committing adultery with a married man. Maybe she is married and cheating on her husband. Maybe she works at one of the gentlemen's clubs. Maybe she's a prostitute or at least just living with somebody, doing certain kinds of favors because he pays the bills, which is just another kind of prostitution. 
Just walk away for a minute. Imagine that she is well known as a notorious sinner, an unclean, defiled, degraded, disgusting, dirty gal. Imagine that she is surrounded with religious men who condemn her, shame her, and despise her. Now take that woman in that context, move it back historically 2,000 years. If you think it's difficult for her today, move it back 2,000 years ago when a woman couldn't vote, couldn't own property, couldn't testify in open court, was herself sometimes considered the property of her father or her husband. Imagine what her life was like, how damaged, how broken and brutal it is. This is the woman we meet, and Jesus is at the meal. And the way the meal would have worked was this. Unlike dining, he was leaning like everyone else at the table. The meal could take a long time. There was a lot of conversation and relaxation. And the men's feet were not under the table. They were outside of the table. And so the woman, a sinner, a woman with a bad reputation, comes into the room and she is weeping. And the word in scripture actually doesn't mean that she was crying. She was weeping, weeping. Her tears were, were weeping. Her tears rolled over the other. And she comes to Jesus. His feet, his head, not anointed, not cleansed. He's not the honor, not honored. But she, as a sinful woman, comes into the room and begins to worship Jesus from her understanding of who he is. Amen. And she is perhaps the only believer at the table. Because she has been following him. She has heard the stories of his healing. She has witnessed them. Perhaps she even experienced healing at that crowd when Jesus was there. Perhaps she knew the widow who had her son raised from the dead. Perhaps she had heard the message of the Beatitudes. Perhaps she had chased him all the way from Capernaum where she had heard him say at the synagogue in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and set me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives. That kind of message resonates in the hearts of individuals who are sinners and broken. I don't need just another church service. I need this mess that's been going on in my life, all my life, to be changed. I want to be whole. She was hungry. She was thirsty. She was tired and weary. Her dead in life was not working. Anybody relate? Anybody? She, was, she had lived her life as a sinner. She was of a family of sinners. It wasn't her choice. You say, well, why was she this way? We don't know what her sin was exactly. But can I tell you, she probably came by it honestly. Somebody hurt somebody and wounded somebody and wounded. She came into a home that was broken. It had been generationally broken. She was all about everybody and all the religious activity. But it was not working for her. I believe the story points to the reality that this woman had seen Jesus and heard him before. This was not her first day to see Jesus. But she barged into worship. She saw his feet that had walked where the broken and wounded lived. She saw his feet. She had followed his footsteps. And now she saw his feet and she loved them. Because he had healed feet. 
He had anointed people. She recalled, recalled the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 52 and 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who proclaims peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. I, I have some understanding of this a little bit. I, you know, Diana's dad's been gone for a little while now. But I remember when he came to live at our house, he wasn't very limber. You know, he was at a point in his life that he couldn't, like, touch his toes. And I watched my wife, time after time, come to her daddy's feet with some toenail clippers and some lotion and just, and I thought, why would anybody touch somebody's nasty feet like that? <laughs> that was her daddy. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Her love for him drew her to his nasty feet. I don't know if anybody hears what I'm saying right now. And, and she couldn't contain herself. Though she wasn't invited to the party. Though it broke the traditions of the people for a woman to touch a man. Or to let down her hair. As a good Hebrew woman, you don't let down your hair in front of people. That was like making a proposition. Jesus was not known to frequent Pharisee dinners. He was more likely, however, to show up. With those who were sinners. He had already been to Levi's house for dinner. And been accused by the Pharisees there. Just back in Luke chapter 5 verse 31. You know and Jesus explained. He said those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who were sick. I've not come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. And you boys think y'all are righteous. So this woman broke into the dinner party. To correct the situation that someone had permitted, someone had allowed Jesus to sit at a table without water, without anointing, without love. And she just poured it on him in Luke 7, 37. She came to his feet weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. And she kissed his feet. Come on, washing isn't that enough. And she anointed his feet with fragrant oil. She barged into the room. Listen, the closer she gets to Jesus, the more she realizes he is holy. Somebody say it with me. He is what? Holy. And then the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize I am not holy. Anybody with me on this? The closer I get to Jesus, the more I want to be close to Jesus. He is clean. I am unclean. And she begins to weep bitterly. And some of you gals are criers. She's a crier. These tears come out of her heart. This is a cleansing for her soul. It's an act of repentance. Yes, I'm a sinful woman. I regret the life I've lived. I don't know what to do. And she's just bawling. And her eyes are filled with so many tears. That she actually has enough tears to soak his feet. Can I get real with our thank yous today? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you came from or came to do. But anybody know who you are? Anybody? Somebody say, I know who I am. Go for it just for a moment. Say it. I know who I am. But I also know who Jesus is. Those are two things. I know this. I cannot save myself. 1 Timothy 1, Paul says this. How true it is and how I long that everyone should know it. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I was the greatest of them all. But God had mercy on me that Christ Jesus could use me as an example to show everyone how patient he is with even the worst sinners so that others will realize that they too can have everlasting life. Somebody shout glory and honor to God. Shout it, glory and honor to God. 
See, do you know who Jesus is? Anybody know who Jesus is? Wave at me if you know who Jesus is. Do you know him as Jesus? You know him as Yeshua, as the one who saves. I sometimes wonder how we slip into this place on this day of the Lord and let the moments pass by, the songs pass by, and we don't even have a tear, we don't have a thought, we don't even bow our knees like, I've come here and I'm doing my duty. I just wanted to have a little dinner. I didn't come for the cup and the bread. I came to receive the cup and the bread. I came to honor the Lord Jesus. Do I have any sinners here? Anybody with a past wave at me, are you? Real worship is an act of faith. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of Jesus, uh, woman this is, who he is touching, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said it. I think one of the unfortunate realities of the day we live in is we begin to think we know people who we don't know. It's a social media disease. It's a technology disease. I've seen all of their pictures. You don't know them. Did anybody understand that? Just because you've been stalking them on Facebook does not mean that you know who they are. Hallelujah. Just because you had dinner with Jesus doesn't mean you know him. I'm concerned that sometimes we approach Jesus that way. We know about Jesus. We know a little about Bethlehem. and uh, We know we got a little cross and some holiday stuff that we put up. But Jesus, for too many, is just a mythical man. He's not your Lord and Savior. He's just a guy we pray to on Thanksgiving and celebrate on Christmas and get mad at when bad things happen. If you know about him but don't truly know him, you end up distant from him even when he's sitting at the table. Amen. We like Jesus, but we haven't allowed him to change our lives. We know some Christian songs, but our face has never been wet with tears and our lives have not been forever changed. We go to church on occasion and we say we are Christians and we even use terminology like born again and repenting and Holy Spirit, but really nothing has changed. The fact is sometimes we are more indifferent about Jesus rather than transformed by Jesus. Amen. Simon the Pharisee was indifferent. He was into his ethnic salvation. I know I'm okay because I'm a Jew. I'm saved because I'm a church member. I like Jesus, but if he pushes me to change, I will have to crucify him. So Jesus explains to him in that quick little parable I don't have time to look back in it, but you know, he says, basically, who do you believe loves more? Whoever was forgiven more. What if God sent you a ledger each month of reckoning and accounting? If God said on it, there's a little listing on one side, you did not give, you did not serve. You did not pray. You did not care. You were supposed to speak to that particular person. The Holy Spirit convicted you and you didn't do it. You're supposed to love. You were supposed to help. You didn't. You were too busy. You were supposed to pay attention to that person, but you were too busy drinking around. I'm sorry. You were. You didn't even see him. What if God took an account of all of your sins, past, present, and future, and sent you a ledger? All your thought life, all your words, all your deeds, all your sins. Are your commission and your omission. Everything you have and have not done. What if God sent you a bill every month? What would you owe God? 
What would your debt be? What is your debt? And that's the point of Jesus. You say, I'm going to change it and do good. That's nice, but you're going to screw it up. Simon's worship was real. He was really indifferent. Did you hear me? But notice the sinful woman was passionate about Jesus. She had seen him, heard him, and she was aware of her own sinfulness. He turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. This woman keeps kissing my feet. You didn't anoint me. She keeps anointing me. And please don't miss the statement that he started with in Luke 7, 44. He said, do you see this woman? And that's my question. Do you see the woman? Do you see this woman? Perhaps the answer is yes. I've seen her. I know her. Everybody knows her. We know she's a sinner. We just don't know what she thinks she's doing, pretending like she's as good as us, Kanye. I'm really, I'm really done with all this conversation about Kanye. I have never met the man. I don't know him. I've watched a few videos. I remember when he busted on Taylor Swift on an award show. I don't know. I think he's really young in his faith. But I'm really embarrassed at the church telling him he can't sit at the table. Well, he's just going to mess things up. He may. He may really, 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 really mess things up. But don't be a part of it because you don't like the way he weeps at Jesus. Amen. I just thought I'd throw that in. Can I get an amen from somebody? Watch his fruit. Trust the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? Pray for him. He has a huge audience. You've been praying for Hollywood to come to Jesus for a long time. Somebody says they believe Jesus. thought I'd throw that in church. I am your pastor. She loves Jesus because she is forgiven. How is she forgiven? Because her worship is indicative of her faith. She turns to her. He turns to Jesus, turns to her and says two things. First of all, he says, and I'm done. Somebody come to the keys. He, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Somebody turn to somebody and tell them that. Turn to somebody and tell them right now. Turn to somebody and say your sins are forgiven. Okay, here's what that means. We have a sin issue. Can I get an Amen. And all she could see was her sin. She had failed over and over, tried over and over, and she just couldn't overcome her story and her past and her constant failure. Now, even though Jesus had not been to the cross yet, He forgives her, and that makes me crazy. How do you do that? Okay, stand with me. Stand with me. I'm going to show you. How can Jesus look at somebody and say your sins are forgiven when he hasn't even been to the cross? I thought, I thought Jesus forgave my sins because he went to the cross. I'm going to tell you two things about that. Here's the first one. One, Jesus already forgave my sins before he got to the cross. His blood washed them away. Amen. Two, Jesus carried my sin to the cross. 
I understood this. I had a neighbor. I have a neighbor. I hope they come to church sometime. I've invited them several times. But I have a neighbor. And they had a washer and a dryer replacement. And they put their washer and dryer out and occurred to be picked up by the city of Virginia Beach. And it was there for a week. And it was there for another week. Going to the next trip, I saw I saw them out front. I said, what's going on with your washer and dryer? I said, well, we called them, but evidently they're running late. I don't know. I don't know what's scheduled. I ain't busting on my city. I'm not doing that. I won't get in trouble, okay? But I said, okay. Okay, so some of the guys were over at my house watching a Monday night football game. One of them had a pickup truck. And he saw that and he said, what are they doing with those? I said, well, they're just waiting on them to be picked up. He said, can I take them? I said, sure, take them. We picked up that washer dryer and put them in the back of his truck, and they haven't been back there since. <laughs> You're going to like this. Jesus has a pickup truck. And he sees your junk that's been sitting in your front yard. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Jesus was collecting junk. He saw this woman with all of her sin and said, I'll take that from you and put it on my shoulders. By the time Jesus got to the cross, you know what he took to the cross? He took the sin of the whole world to the cross. He says to this woman, your sins are forgiven. Somebody thank God that Jesus took her sins. In other words, you don't owe anybody anything. Thank you. How many wish you could go back and fix stuff? Anybody wish you could go back and fix some things? Look at me. You can't. So Jesus fixed it for you. And then he says one more thing. This was a common thing that Jesus said. Luke 7, 50, he said this. Your faith has saved you. Read that with me. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Anybody know, sometimes you hear these lines, it's like, oh, Jesus says that all the time. He does. And it comes out a little bit differently, but he says in Mark 10, 52, he said uh, to, to this uh, uh, individual who was a beggar, who could not, could not walk, Jesus cured him. And he looked at the guy, Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. He was blind and immediately received his sight. And then ten lepers. Remember the ten lepers? Nine of them never came back. But one of them came back. I like this. He said, where are the ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not, were, were there, there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. All right. Ten God healed one got well somebody didn't hear what I just said ten got healed I came to this church because I need a healing no you need to get well I'll explain same teaching that we see the apostle Paul says Ephesians 2 and 8 it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God the word well everybody say well Saved. Same word. He said the same thing to this woman that he said to the blind, blind man. Your faith has made you whole. How many know the word? It's sozo. Say it, sozo. Saved. 
delivered, healed, whole. Somebody say whole, whole. Because some of us can't get past our past in order to walk freely in the next You see, you want to be forgiven. Yes, he says your sins are forgiven, but I need to get beyond that. I need to get beyond that because there's stuff, there's junk, there's mess that's happened in my life, and I can't get past it. And I need to be more than just sitting at the table. Jesus, come and make me well. He says, if you'll put your faith in me. Somebody shout, thank you. If you'll put your faith in me, I will make you whole. Anybody been healed? Anybody need to be made whole? All right. So I'm done preaching now. Uh, Sing. Anybody want to be whole? Anybody? Come on, I asked earlier. Anybody sinners in the house? Anybody sinners in the house? Where, where am I? Where are my sinners? Where are you? Where are my sinners? There used to be a bunch of you here. I don't know. They all left. All the time, all the sinners leave. You know, it's just like, I really needed Jesus until it got all the time. So, I want you to, in the Spirit, come to Jesus today. I don't want you to come and stand. I want you to leave your seat. Some of you just need to be whole. I want you to come to the altar. You ready? Come to the altar. Come to the altar and stand up front. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Could we shift now from just sitting at a dinner party? Some of you may need to actually kneel at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to step back because I don't want you to think those are my feet. Bow at the feet of Jesus and worship Him. Ready? I want you to go ahead and acknowledge that you've been a sinner. Just say that I acknowledge that I've been a sinner. I recognize that I've been a sinner. I recognize that I have sinned. I know I have a reputation. I know people know me. But Jesus. I heard your voice and you spoke it with power. That you came for poor people like me, for broken people like me, for wounded people like me, for hurting people like me. And I just want to thank you for being Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for being Jesus. Come on, offer him some real worship. Somebody join me. I come to you, Jesus, and I bow before you. I humble myself in your presence. I acknowledge my sin. It's always before me. Today, I come to you and I put my faith fully in you. I can't overcome my past. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for taking my junk and hauling it off. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Now worship Him. Everybody in this place, everybody in the house, wherever you are, worship Him.
did not repeat a sinner's prayer. She just worshipped Jesus for who He was. And then Jesus, because she had faith in Him, looked at her and said, Your sins are forgiven. So hear the Lord. Hear the Lord. Just listen to Him right now. Worship Him first. Love Him. Come on, everybody worship Him. Worship Him. Everywhere in the house, worship Him. Give Him thanks. Worship Him. I love you, Jesus. Tell Him I love you, Jesus. Now listen to me tell you. I'm going to prophesy this word from the Lord. As you've worshipped Him today, Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. Let's all thank God that our sins are forgiven. Let's thank everybody in the house. Thank Him. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Now, the next part, He says this in two parts. The next part, He's going to keep doing this. He's going to keep doing this. You ready for the next part? He wants to deal with your wholeness. So when Jesus says, he says this, and it, it kind of comes off in two ways. Go and be made well. Notice that we are made well in the going. I'm not leaving this place the same way I came. But I'm going to let him deal with every secret of my heart all of my heart wounds, my mother wounds, my father wounds, the assault that has happened in my life, I'm going to let Jesus deal with all of that. And He's going to make things that I thought would never be whole become completely whole. There are people that are nearby. Lay your hand on one another's shoulders and pray with one another all around the room. May the Lord bless you. May you leave this place fully forgiven. May you leave this place walking in the wholeness of heaven. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Be gracious. Give you peace. Altar workers, look around. People all around, they can probably do some prayer. Blessings. Healing.